0: Let's turn to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, and we're going to do verses 1 through 7 this morning. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage. And we thank you even more for the, for the child who was born, for the son who was given. And... We pray that you will you will help all of us. Perhaps we are perhaps we are weary, perhaps we are broken, perhaps we are afraid, perhaps we are we are sad, worried, we are we are weighed down this morning. I pray that you would open up our, our hearts to see that Christ has been born. Christ has come. He has come to rescue us. Help us to see this great light that has shined upon us. Help us this morning. And if there's anyone here who's never seen it, they've they've never believed the gospel, I pray that you would Break through the the darkness and the blindness. Help them to see and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Christmas is one of the many times that I wish that I was just a little bit more of an optimist. Um, Those of you who know me well know that I... I don't go around life with super high expectations. I, I don't want to be a silly optimist, but but I, I would like to be a person who just enjoys things a little bit more. I, I'm always working under the assumption that, that, that this is, this is gonna end up disappointing, right? This is just, this is gonna end up not great. This is gonna end up pretty, eh. I, I mean, I, I, I say, yeah, we're, we're gonna go up to, to Michigan to see my parents or to see Denise's parents for Christmas or whatever, unless we get sick. We're probably gonna be sick. We're probably not gonna make it. Eh, there's been a lot of flu going around, so I just, I, anything I say, yeah, we're probably gonna do this unless we're all sick, you know? Cause we're probably gonna be all sick. Cause, you know, everybody's sick. Or, or I, 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 you know, i I'm, I'm getting, I almost said I'm wrapping my children's presents. I'm I'm getting somebody else to wrap my children's presents, and I'm thinking about them, and I'm like, they're, they're probably going to like this when they first open it, but then, like, in March, are they even going to know the thing exists? They're going to forget all about this? This is stupid. What am I doing? I just got to live my life this way, which is really annoying for people who want to enjoy life, who are around me. Um, I'm a bit of a, I can be a bit of a, you know, downer. This passage this morning is really good. If you're kind of like me, if you're kind of like, if you're one of those guys who kind of keeps your expectations low, this passage is really good for us. Because if we have the courage, by the grace of God, to believe these words, to take this passage seriously, then these verses dramatically raise our expectations. The promises in this passage almost seem too good to be true. But they are true. In fact, they're, if you can say they're so true, you can't really say something is so true. It's true or it's not. But they're they're so true, if we can say that. They're such done deals that Isaiah speaks of them in the past tense. None of this stuff happened when when Isaiah was alive. None of this, none of this happened. This is all future stuff. In fact, a lot of it still hasn't happened today. We're still waiting for the the fullness of this today. But Isaiah is so confident in the Word of God that he speaks of God's promises as if they are done deals. Isaiah is going to say to us this morning, look at what God has done. And Isaiah is going to say, and here's how he has done it. Here's what God has done, and here's how He's done it. That's our sermon this morning. Here's what God has done, and here's how He has done it. So we're going to start with, here's what God has done. There's three things we're going to see God has done in these verses. First, God has given His people eternal Joy. You have these people in verse, in verse 1, right? These, uh, there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. So, so here's what Isaiah is saying. There are these people... They they they're on the cutting edge. They have been on the cutting edge of the rebellion and the wickedness, and they're the ones who who get the brunt of the punishment. If you if you think about um, Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the the land of Galilee, the the uh, the, the people to the north it, throughout the Old Testament, they're always the first ones to to turn on God. They're always the ones to abandon true worship. They're always the ones to To go to the idols first, to go to the foreign nations first, to turn their back on God and to look elsewhere for their rescue, for their king. They're, They're always the ones to rebel first. And they're always the ones to get overrun by the, by the foreign armies first. When God raises up some sort of, some sort of, uh, Gentile nation to, to come and to clean house, to, to bring punishment on His people for their sin, it's oftentimes the people to the north who get it first. They're the ones who get the, the brunt of the punishment. They get infiltrated and overrun first and most by the Gentile nations. That's why they're called Galilee of the Gentiles, Galilee of the nations. That's, that's why they're called that. Is because they, it, was, it was a, a common thing that, that they were the ones who had suffered the most at the hands of the foreign armies. They're the ones who have been thrust into thick darkness. They have been thrust into gloom and anguish, and they have deserved every minute of it. So they're 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 on the cutting edge of rebellion and they're bearing the brunt of the punishment. In a word, they are us. They have been thrust into thick darkness and they have deserved every minute of it. They are exactly who we are without Christ. But Isaiah says, on them light has shone. The people wandering around in darkness, on them a great light has shone, verse 2 says. And, and so God has done something that no one else could do. God has broken through their darkness with a great light. And what has He given them? These people who don't deserve anything but the thick darkness they're wandering around in. What has God given them? When he's given them this great light, he's given them joy. Verse 3 says, You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil. I am not a farmer. um, But... There are ways in which I have enjoyed a good harvest. I've enjoyed where where I've been blessed with with plenty, where where I have been blessed with enough to enjoy and and enough to share. I've I've we we all can kind of even if we're not farmers, we can we can kind of get our minds around just the the joy that comes when when we have uh, enough food to go around, enough provision to go around when it's it, it, we 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 know that kind of joy. And we know the kind of joy that, 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 that those who divide the spoil. This is after a, a victory, after a military victory, and they divide the spoil. We can, we can think of it in our own day like the soldier returning um, home to their loved ones. The, 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 the parade for the army as they come back. There's just this great Joy. There's this great joy in a a full harvest. There's this great joy in a in a victory. Celebration. But this joy here is different and it is multiplied. It's a thousand times better. Why? Because these people are not rejoicing. In a harvest that they have produced. They're not rejoicing in a victory that they have won. They're rejoicing before God. They're rejoicing in in God Himself. We we know, unfortunately, we know that no soldier is truly safe. No army is ever truly done. We, We know this. Like, even in times of peace, the American Department of Defense is not resting, right? They're always evaluating intelligence from around the globe. They're always evaluating threats from around the globe. They're they're always monitoring situations all over the world. They they're always looking at data and they're always looking at they're they're always looking at 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 intelligence as it comes across their desk and they're saying, Is this a threat? Do we need to be ready for this? What about this? There there we may be, we may feel as if we're at peace, but the Department of Defense never feels like they're at peace. No army is ever truly done. And we also know no harvest is ever, is ever truly enough. No farmer says, you know what, 2022 was a good year. I'm gonna take the next couple of years off. I'm just gonna kinda, you know, no? No, we, we, we don't live that way. We, we know that. You, you think of it even in like silly ways, like with a, with a sports team, The, the football team that wins the Super Bowl, they'll, they'll have this huge party and, and they'll have a huge parade and then they'll all take a two-week break, and then they're going to be back to work. Because when the new football season comes, no one cares who won last year. It's all about who wins this year. We're never done. Humans are never done. We're, and, and our victory, any victory, any harvest is never safe. And we know this. We know this. So we all live with a, with a low-level sense of... of Of vigilance. We're always on guard. We're always thinking about what comes next. We always have trouble in the moment, staying in the moment, enjoying the moment. But this harvest and this victory and this joy is different. And here's why God has done it. So it's complete. We don't need to earn it. We don't need to protect it. We are just meant to enjoy it. And since the eternal God has done it, since it is in him that we are rejoicing, then this is eternal joy. God has given his people eternal joy. Next, God has given his people eternal relief. Verse 4 says... For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Here's why our joy is eternal. This is, here's why our joy is never going to be in danger because God has completely destroyed anything that would oppress us. God has taken away every single one of our burdens, Isaiah says. Here's the deal. You and I are weighed down this morning. We are weighed down. We have have burdens that are heavy upon us. We have have burdens that are heavy upon us. And, and And some of these are just kind of because of sin in general. But some of them are because God has warned us that sin would be a cruel taskmaster, and we did not listen. We wanted it anyway. God has told us that any kind of idolatry would end up taking far more from us than we can imagine. But we wanted it anyway. And so we have found ourselves under burdens that we cannot shake loose of. So what has God done for us? Has He allowed us to just kind of stagger around in the darkness under these burdens that we, we cannot find freedom from? No, He has not. But He's shown His light on us. He broke the yoke of our burden, verse 4 says. He broke the staff off of our shoulder. He broke the rod that our oppressor was using. He has broken it as on the day of Midian. When Isaiah says the day of Midian, he's referring to Judges 6-8 through 8, where, where God rescued His people from the oppressive Midianites. The, the, the people of God had done what they had done often, which is they had turned to idols, they had turned to sin, and so God had given them the oppressive Midianites. He had said, you, you wanted this, you can have it. And the Midianites were, were oppressive. They were bullies. They were awful taskmasters and there was nothing the people of God could do about it. So God raised up this army. And by army, I mean like a few hundred people and they had trumpets and lamps. And in the end, when that army won, everybody said, look what God has done. God has delivered his people. Isaiah says, that is like this. Isaiah says, that, Midian, that day of Midian, that battle there, that's what this is, but it's better because, because this is once and for all. Verse 7 says, "...of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore." The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is something only the zeal of the Lord of hosts could do. God has kept His promise to David. He has established His kingdom. And it is an eternal kingdom of perfect justice and righteousness. So, so I want you to think about this. this. This... This new heaven and this new earth, this this new kingdom, this eternal kingdom that that God is going to bring his people into. And it's such a done deal that, as he is talking about it in the past tense, I want you to understand that your, your innate desire that you and I have, we have this desire. To give ourselves to foolish kings. We, we have this desire to give ourselves over to, to lust or to greed or to envy. Envy, I was, we were talking about this the other day. Envy is just one of those silly, silly sins. Envy is like uh, drinking poison and hoping your enemy will die. It's dumb. And there's a level on which we know it's dumb. But we give ourselves over to it anyhow. We give ourselves over to bitterness. We reject God's uh, uh, we reject God's standard for for marriage. We 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 reject God's um, his his principles for how to live. We choose we choose arrogance over humility. We choose selfishness over love. We. We, we choose our own way. We, we grab hold of our own taskmasters. We say, no, this thing is going to be the king over me. And God says, that thing is going to be a terrible king. And we say, we want it anyhow. And then we're mad because it burdens us and weighs us down. In this new thing God is doing, in this new kingdom, in this new heaven and new earth, this eternal kingdom of 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 justice and righteousness, that desire we have to fall in with stupid kings, to give ourselves to to cruel taskmasters, that desire is going to be gone. God is taking the sin away from within us. And then the other thing God is doing is He's eradicating those taskmasters. We're not going to want them, and they're not going to be there. Only God can do this. Just stop with me this morning and just think about how safe you're going to be. How safe you're going to be. You guys have driven through the cold. I was going to do a nice, short Christmas homily this morning, you know, but I'm not. I'm doing a long Christmas sermon as long as I want. Uh, because, you know, I owe it to you because you drove through the cold, so... Think with me this this morning. Our greatest danger my greatest danger, your greatest danger is that the, the seed of any and every kind of sin is in my own heart. That's my great danger. My great danger is my own sinful nature. That this, these, these passions that first, first Peter says are at war against me. They feel so right and so real within me. They are, they are trying to destroy me. My own heart is trying to destroy me. Destroy my soul. That's my great danger. And so, and so when God says that he's going, to, he's going to once and for all remove our oppressors. What, what he means along with all of that, what's, what's a huge part of that is he's going to remove from us the desire for cruel oppressors. We're no longer going to want to give ourselves over to sin. And there will be no sinful oppressors to give ourselves over to. Just stop and imagine this morning how safe you're going to be in the new heavens and the new earth. You're going to be safe. That thing that's weighing you down this morning, that that thing is here. Maybe it's not here because of your own particular sin, and maybe it is, and maybe it's a mixture, but that thing that is weighing you down and burdening you is not going to be there in the new heavens and the new earth because sin is not going to be there. Then the last thing God has done for his people is he has given his people eternal peace. God has given his people eternal peace. Verse 5 says, For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood, will be burned as fuel for the fire. I, I, am a, I love history, so I am fascinated um, by military history. I'm fascinated by the history of war. I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the heroes and villains that emerge from those stories. I am fascinated by war. But on one level, I absolutely hate it, of course. The more you learn of it, the more you hate it. It, it is absolutely necessary sometimes for a nation to defend themselves. And we understand that. We understand that. But war is one of those necessary evils in our world. We hate the carnage and the heartache that, that war and strife have left strewn all over our earth over the centuries. Isaiah 9.5 says God is going to put an end to it because God is going to put an end to sin. War is here because of sin. Conflict is here because of sin. Violence and hatred are here because of Sin. God is going to once and for all put all war away because God is going to once and all, once and for all put all sin away. And again, Isaiah is so confident of this that he's talking about it in the past tense. Look what God has done. There are, there are Christians all over the world this morning who they long for the day when war is over. Actual physical war is ruining their lives. And they long for this day when there will be no more weapons because there will nev- never be a, a, a need for a weapon again. Maybe for you and me, we, the, the, the reality of like physical war doesn't, doesn't haunt our days, but what about, what about the conflicts we are entangled in? The, the, the bitter arguments... The the deep strife, the, the deep relational tension and division, the, the misunderstandings that just blow up. Can you imagine a day when when all of that is gone? When all strife and violence verbal violence or or actual physical violence can you imagine a day when that's all gone? You can go ahead and imagine it because it's coming. There is a day coming when we will say, look what God has done. He has actually and finally and eternally given His people peace. We were staggering around in the thick darkness that we deserved. Under the heavy burdens that we deserved. Under the the threat and wounds of constant conflict that that came from our our own sinful desires. And then... uh, and a light dawned on us. God in his zeal for his own glory and his, his zeal to create a family of worshipers has given his people eternal joy, eternal relief, eternal peace. That's what God has done. Now the second part of the sermon, how has God done all this? How has God all, done all this? And I don't have three answers to that question, just just one. Here's how God has done it. A baby. A baby. Verse 6, for to us a child is born. This has gotta be a surprise, right? I mean, verses, verses 1 through 5 set the expectations pretty high. I mean, there's, God's gonna do a lot of stuff here, and He's got big goals. How is He gonna do it? He's, oh, a baby. Okay. Cool. Did not see that coming. That's interesting. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace i love the the story of the birth of christ i love it because um think about this with me does does anything quite capture how powerful god is does any is there anything that kind of Gets a hold of how powerful God is, quite like the fact that, that He sent all, His word, the, 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 all that His promises were resting in, like the, the proof of His love for us, His great strategic plan, He, all of that, He's, when He sent that to earth, it was a baby. See, here's what God is saying to Satan, and to all of Satan's devils, and to every human who would shake their fist at God, here's what God is saying. He's saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to take you down. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to utterly destroy you. And I'm not going to send an army. I'm going to send a baby. Does anything capture the power of God quite like that? But this isn't just any baby. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. This is Jesus. He's he's born of a virgin. He's the Son of God. He is the Son of Man, and this baby would grow up. And those who had eyes to see and ears to hear, they would come to understand that he is just as Isaiah nine six describes him. He is the Wonderful Counselor, which means he is brilliant and he is wise and he is trustworthy. They will come to understand that that he is the Mighty God. That he is unbeatable in battle. I want you to think about this with me. Those those who would raise their fist against Jesus. Those who would come up against Jesus. and, to, and Those who would try to stop Jesus from being the eternal King of kings and Lord of lords. Those who, those who would say no to that. His enemies that rise up against him, it, he's the one who has given them breath and life. He is the one who holds them together. So really, in order to snuff out his enemies, he simply needs to stop holding them together. This is, not a, this is not a contest. It's not a battle as we think of it. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He loves you like a perfect Father would love you. Do you belong to Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? If so, then he loves you. He is brilliant. He snuffs out his enemies with the word of his power, and he loves you. Um, another thing that you guys know about me, if you, if you know me well, is you know that I need the, the wisdom that my wife brings uh, to, um, into my life i 'm um, pretty smart by, by myself, but with her i 'm just kind of over the top, right? Um, but one of the things that she does for me that's just very kind, is she reminds me, you know that kid you know because I have six kids, yes, six, six kids, and she will say to me, "You know that kid you were just talking to is different than that other kid they 're different people. true, which point? Well, you can't, I mean, you did that with them, but that's not, no, don't do that. Don't talk to them that way. This, they're, they're different. I mean, you, you know, she tells me, you are hilarious, and everyone loves how hilarious you are, but sometimes your jokes don't land the way you think they're landing. And if, you, and, if, and if they're landing the way you think that they're landing, then stop being a jerk. It's wisdom, right? That's because I am not a perfect father. I do love my children. I do love my children. But I am not brilliant. I'm not all-wise. I don't know everything. I can't do anything. Jesus loves you as a as a perfect father. And he's going to do this forever. Finally, Jesus is the prince of peace. Jesus has done something that only he could do. He has made peace by the blood of his cross. I've said it probably 1.4 billion times, and I'm going to say it again, because we have to remember it. Because of our sin, our only enemy that actually matters in the end, our only, ma- our only enemy that actually matters is God. We were born at enmity with God, which means we were born the bitter enemies with God. But listen to Colossians chapter 1. Listen to what Colossians 1 says about Jesus. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. Think about that. I, I know we've, some of these verses we've heard so many times that we stop thinking about them when we hear them. But think, just, just, just think with me for, about this. For by Him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Listen to this. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is, verse 17, before all things and in Him all things hold together do do you understand that like um satan would not exist apart from the creative and sustaining work and word of jesus christ do you, i mean there's a mystery there right we we wonder hey why didn't you end that a long time ago you know like we we have some questions but we can be sure That there isn't anything or anyone ever that has ever existed in any way ever anywhere that didn't exist because of the creative and sustaining work of Jesus Christ. In Him, all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And and that in everything, He might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, and me, we were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach, Before him. So do you understand? This is who Jesus is. We have to just kind of remember this is who Jesus is. This is who was born in that manger. And, and, and you and I were, we were alienated from God. We were hostile towards him. We were doing evil deeds. And so when Christ came, when Christ was born to us, when that light shined upon us, Christ should have come to kill us if we're talking just justice, if we're talking just humanity getting what they deserve, then that great light that dawned upon us should have been a nuclear missile. It should have been the cup of God's anger. But, instead, Christ made peace between us and God. He made peace between us and himself. And he did this by his blood. Christ spilled his blood on the cross so that you and I could be at peace with God. And, and Colossians says even more than that, so we could be above reproach with God. So that we could have a perfect, perfect reputation before God. Do you understand that right now, you have a perfect reputation with God if you are in Christ? You have a perfect reputation with God. You're above reproach. Christ has spilled his blood so that we can be brought into his eternally good kingdom. I asked the question earlier, um, does anything quite capture the power of God like sending a baby? (laughs) Like the fact that he came as a helpless baby, does anything capture the mysterious power of God? And of course, there is one thing that, that captures it even better, and that is the cross. On the cross, as he was dying, naked and shamed, People mocking Him and spitting on Him and pummeling Him in the face and watching Him bleed out and laughing at Him. The One who is before all things and in Him all things hold together. As He was dying on that cross, those who by His grace have eyes to see, they see that Jesus, they see Him as He truly is. He is Isaiah 9.6. He is the wonderful Counselor. The the cross is the most brilliant piece of strategy ever. It is wisdom personified. It is wisdom. It is the wisdom of God. He is the mighty God. Only God Himself could deliver us from the judgment we deserve for our sin. He is the everlasting Father. He loves us the way only a perfect Father could love us. And the cross proves that He will love us forever. And He is the Prince of Peace. He has bled out, and His blood paid for our peace with God. If you and I were left to our own devices, if you and I were left on our own, we would be staggering around in darkness. We would be alienated from God. We would be hostile towards Him. We would be doing evil deeds. And when we would be suffering the consequences, the eternal consequences for our rebellion. But a great light has dawned on us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. If you've never repented of your sins... If you've never trusted in Christ to save you from the from the punishment you deserve, if you've never looked to what Christ did on the cross when He died for you, hey, if you've never looked to Christ's death on the cross to save you from the punishment that you deserve for your sins, then please repent of your sins and turn to Him today. Please do it. Like I always, or like I try to always remember to say, "Come talk to me later if we, you want to. If you want to talk, I, if you have got any questions about." what it means to believe the Gospel, I'd love to try to answer them as best as I can. Because, because it's, it's, it's in Christ alone that we can have eternal joy, eternal relief, and eternal peace. Look at what God has done. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your incredible kindness to us. We thank you for your incredible kindness to us. It's hard for us even to get our heads around the the arrogance that it requires for someone who has been created and is being held together by you to shake our fist at you and then to be angry when we get what we deserve as a as a human I am I feel like I'd be very tempted just to let us Just let us sin our way to hell if that's what we want. But you have not done that. You have sent your Son. You have sent your Son. We thank you for your incredible kindness to us. And we thank you that one day your Son is going to come back and we thank you that, that one day he is going to set up his eternal kingdom. We, we thank you that one day we are going to be safe. We are going to be safe from sin with, without, sin from other people or the consequences of sin and, and the consequences of other people's sin. We thank you for the fact that one day we're going to be safe from the effects of sin. But we also thank you and mostly what we thank you is that we're going to be safe from our own sin. That you are going to that you are going to when you make everything new you're going to make us new we long for this day we long for this day we thank you that your son is going to come and and he is going to rule the world and that and that his good kingdom of grace and joy and justice and peace and relief is going to extend as far as the curse is found. We long for this day. We thank you that it's coming. And once again, we pray, God, that if anybody here doesn't believe the gospel, they've never trusted Jesus as their Savior, that they would do that today. It's in his name we pray. Amen.